0: Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag
1: Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, I hope you are staying warm this week. I know it's getting seriously cold in some areas of the state, especially the Panhandle. I think I saw a forecast low of 22 degrees in Dalhart. So we're dealing with some cold temperatures this week in Texas agriculture. I'm Carrie Martin, your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas out to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from that cold panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Even with a recent jump in prices, feed yards in Texas are having a hard time making money. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today.
3: Texas to benefit from the new livestock dealer trust law.
1: I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. A nationwide cheese company is moving to Texas. Jessica Domel has the details.
4: Great Lakes Cheese Company reportedly plans to build a nearly $185 million cheese packaging and distribution center in Abilene. According to the Abilene Reporter News, the facility will exceed 280,000 square feet and will bring more than 500 jobs to the area. Great Lakes Cheese Company is based in Ohio. They serve retailers and food service operators as a manufacturer and packer of bulk, shredded, and sliced cheese. The privately owned company currently has eight plants across the United States. It is unclear if the company currently sources some of its milk for the cheeses from Texas, but Darren Turley, Executive Director of the Texas Association of Dairymen, said he's sure they will once operations begin in Abilene. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: Cold temperatures are moving into Texas this week, and that could jeopardize the wheat crop in some areas. BASF technical agronomist Adam Hickson is based in Lubbock.
5: I would say the next couple of days look a little bit scary. If you look at the forecast, it's right on the edge there. Uh, 35, I think, was the forecasted low for Lubbock, and then 31 is what I've seen for Lubbock. But then as you move uh, north, I know there's some wheat growers up north of Lubbock, too. Uh, It always gets a little bit cooler as you move north and get a little bit higher in altitude. So there may be some spots where we could see a little bit of uh, cause for concern.
1: Hickson says the key temperature to watch is 28 degrees. If it gets that cold for four hours, there is the potential for damage to the crop. Fed cattle prices have improved recently, but times still remain tough for Texas feed yards. James Hunt reports from Amarillo.
2: For a long while, the cash market price for fed cattle seemed to be locked in place, with almost no change up or down. But Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says, finally, there's been some movement.
6: We've actually increased the price over the
5: last three weeks or so. Seems like we got stuck at 114 for quite a while, on fed cattle coming out of the feed yards. Last week, we traded at 120, 121.
2: But this is one of those times when you're hearing the good news first, because
5: even as we see that price increase, we're still seeing these cattle coming out of these yards in the red.
2: Miller says losses are averaging about $50 a head on a cash basis, The primary reason, as we've outlined before, the dramatic increase in the cost of corn, which has continued to rise. Although a massive change in feed rations is very unlikely, Miller says there are signs of an interest in alternatives.
5: The corn prices have to get very high and a lot of things have to happen before very many feed yards are wanting to jump off the ship of feeding corn. So I'll start by that comment, but with that being said, I hear more people talking about feeding wheat. and i have heard people talking about feeding wheat in a very long time so we do have members that are changing over to feeding wheat and as we move forward they might change over to feeding some milo at some point
2: miller says feed yards going to wheat or milo might see an effect on weight gain efficiencies but for consumers the quality of beef will remain the same Now when it comes to the state of the cattle business, we of course have USDA's monthly cattle on feed report coming out on Friday. Texas Cattle Feeders Association is expecting a big jump when it comes to placements, but as we'll talk about in our next report, we may have to take those numbers with a grain of salt. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Texas livestock producers will benefit from new dealer trust laws. Tom Nicoletti explains. My guest today is Chelsea Good with the
3: Livestock Marketing Association, here to talk again about the new Livestock Dealer Statutory Trust law that protects sellers of livestock against buyer defaults on payments. Texas is by far the largest cattle-producing state in the nation, also uh, the leader in, in cheap production, and so uh, certainly uh, producers here in Texas should uh, benefit greatly from the dealer trust.
7: Absolutely. It's a pro-producer policy, and those great Texas, uh, whether they be cattle producers or sheep producers, all have the opportunity to benefit from this moving forward.
3: With many, many auction facilities across the state, uh, certainly uh, those uh, entities will be impacted
7: as well. Absolutely. So many of those livestock auctions would be LMA member livestock auctions. And, and for those that aren't as familiar, an auction's typically going to have a weekly sale and producers are bringing their animals there. The producers guaranteed of a good check from the livestock auction. That livestock auction is required to pay the producer whether or not they get paid on the other end. Well, historically, in some of these livestock dealer defaults, we've seen the producers who chose to sell at auction be made whole, which they should be. But then the auction being the entity that's holding the bag and left with a a, a bad check or no check from a livestock dealer and no ability to reclaim those animals or funds. So for these livestock auctions, it's also going to really increase the recovery in those situations. And that's really good for our communities as a whole because a livestock auction is a big economic driver in many of our rural communities.
3: Now, we've already talked about some of the individual entities impacted by this new law. What about feeders?
7: I think it's important to know that if someone is buying from a livestock dealer, which would typically be the role that a cattle feeder is having, they'll continue to take clear title to livestock. They're the buyer in the ordinary course of business. And so a person doing business with a livestock dealer that pays for animals, they get clear title, they keep those animals. In the case of a default, say that the dealer never paid for those animals, and what those unpaid sellers would then have the first priority in is the ability to have a claim on those funds that the feed yard paid the dealer. So it's not like that feed yard's ever going to risk having to pay for those livestock twice or losing livestock that they've paid for. There's really no harm to them and really some benefits in situations where they don't know who to pay. Suddenly, it's a lot clearer now that dealer trust is law.
1: I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The latest wheat crop condition ratings show no change from last week with just over half of the nation's crop rated good to excellent. Another thing that hasn't changed, Texas has the worst rated wheat crop in the country, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey.
6: Winter wheat condition as of April 18th, absolutely no national change from the previous week. Locked in right now at 53% good to excellent, 17% very poor to poor. As I mentioned, no change from last week. This year's crop rated a bit lower than what we saw this time a year ago when it was 57% good to excellent and 13% very poor to poor. The two states with the lowest or worst conditions at this point, also seeing no change from last week, Texas, 36% of the crop rated very poor to poor, mostly drought, but also perhaps some freeze damage from the February cold outbreak. Colorado, largely a drought issue, but also, again, maybe some companion damage from the February cold wave, 34 percent of the crop rated very poor to poor.
1: And Rippey says cotton planting is moving forward with Texas among the top three states.
6: We see national progress inching forward to 11 percent. That's ahead of the five-year average of 9 percent, equal to last year's pace, also 11 percent on April 18th, 2020. Now, in terms of uh, overall planting progress, uh, we see three states into double digits, Arizona leading the way, 43 percent planted, followed by California, one quarter of the cotton planted by April 18th, and Texas at 16 percent. All three of those numbers are within uh, three percentage points of five-year averages, so pretty much on par with what you would expect this time of year. Outside of those three states, only one has advanced past the 2% planting mark, that is Georgia, 5% planted versus 3% on average.
1: USDA's Brad Rippy.
4: Hunters in parts of Texas will have to report their turkey harvests in the upcoming season. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today.
1: And there are several neurological diseases in horses that can cause long-term symptoms. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas
1: agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There are several neurological diseases in horses that can cause long-term symptoms even after the disease is gone. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd explains.
8: The first disease I'm going to talk about is West Nile virus infection. West Nile virus is a viral infection that crosses into the brain and spinal cord and causes inflammation that can lead to signs resembling colic, lameness, decreased in appetite, and fever. However, it can cause severe disease in some horses that can lead to inability to stand, paralysis of the facial muscles and the tongue, behavioral changes, seizures, and even death. Dr. Stacy Oak indicates in the horse publication that most horses with West Nile infection recover in a few weeks, but about 10% of the horses continue to have some neurological deficits that can affect their ability to walk and certainly perform, and some can have residual behavior abnormalities. Another neurological disease, eastern encephalitis, is also a virus that affects the neurological system and is even more serious than West Nile. Symptoms of eastern encephalitis are similar to West Nile, including fever, depression, and behavior changes, circling and head pressing, muscle twitching, and paralysis of the cranial nerves, seizures, and death in 50-90% to 90% of the cases. Dr. Maureen Long indicates that most horses that do survive eastern encephalitis have long-term neurological dysfunction. The good news is there are vaccines for both West Nile and Eastern encephalitis that are very effective in most horses. Both diseases are transmitted by mosquitoes and both can be transmitted by mosquitoes to humans as well as horses, although Eastern encephalitis is fairly rare in humans. The diseases are not transmitted from horses to people as the virus must go through a mosquito. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Hunters in parts of Texas will have to report their turkey harvest in the upcoming season. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report.
4: Hunters in select Texas counties will have to start reporting their wild turkey harvests next spring. The requirement was recently approved by the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission. Sean Oldenberger, Small Game Program Director for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, presented their proposal.
3: We're asking for mandatory reporting for the fact we get very limited information on harvest with our small game harvest survey. For instance, in Bastrop County, which tends to be our better habitat within these counties, of those 25,000 people we randomly select for the survey, we may be lucky enough to get one every three years to report a harvest in Bastrop County. So therefore, staff have really limited information on harvest. Therefore, we can't really make any recommendations on how to move forward with any either restrictions, further restrictions, or further liberalizations in these counties. We do have support from wildlife management associations and wildlife cooperatives in these respective counties in the past. And most counties in question recently transitioned to white tailed deer reporting requirements during the doe days that started last year.
4: Hunters in the affected counties will have to report their wild turkey harvests either online or through the My Texas Hunt Harvest app when the rule goes into effect next spring. The affected counties are in the western one gobbler zone. Those counties are Bastrop, Caldwell. Colorado, Fayette, Jackson, Lavaca, Lee, Matagorda, Milam, and Wharton. The changes to hunting regulations will be noted in the Outdoor Annual and in the Outdoor Annual app when they're updated in mid-August. Again, this is for next spring turkey hunting season for those counties. Reporting is already mandatory for all eastern turkey harvests in Texas. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel.
1: We finally saw a turnaround in the cattle market on Tuesday. After several days of lower closes, the market finally bounced back to close slightly higher in most contracts. We'll take a closer look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Here's a thought for
2: Earth Day. American farmers are the original conservationists. They preserve the land, grow more food with fewer resources, and protect nature season after season. That's why commitments from Syngenta's Good Growth Plan focus on three key goals. Helping farmers, accelerating innovation to support climate resiliency, and improving sustainability of agriculture for future generations. This message is brought to you by Syngenta as we celebrate this year's Earth Day theme, Restore Our Earth.
0: We're giving you the market information you need
1: on Texas Ag Today. We finally saw a turnaround in the cattle futures market. We ended up closing mostly higher on live and feeder cattle futures on Tuesday. That's after the market opened lower, but somewhere around midday, things turned around into positive territory. We ended up closing with April live cattle up 22 cents, 120.57, the June up 60 119.20 August live cattle up 75 at 119.40 feeder cattle higher on all except the nearby April. It was down 15 cents, 137.57. May feeders up 30, 142.77. August feeder cattle up a dollar 75, 154.52. Cash fed cattle markets still quiet on Tuesday. No bids or asking prices to report. Boxed beef prices were higher: choice up a dollar thirty-eight, two seventy-seven fifty-five; select up a dollar thirty at two seventy forty-three. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear cattle in the alleyway,
5: it's time to cross the little river. And talk to Kenny Mingus at Milam County Livestock Auction Cameron about his Friday sale. Kenny, how did it go?
9: Well, it went good, Larry. We wound up with fourteen sixty four. Uh, everybody got a little rain, and the market was pretty steady. Pretty much all the way across. A few heifer cows, a little cheaper. Um, but other than that, it was pretty good.
5: Good. Let's walk those pins. All
9: right. With the steers under 300, 153 to 197 a Three to 400-pound steers, 147 to 202.50. Four to 500-pound steers, 129 to 190. And over 500, 85 to $1.75. On the heifers under 300, 139 to 165. Three to 400-pound heifers, 127 to 157 a four to five hundred pound heifers, one ten to one fifty seven and over five hundred eighty to a dollar forty three. Packer cows had a really good set of packer cows from thirty seven to seventy four. Packer Bull steady from seventy five to ninety six. On your bred cows from five fifty to sixteen fifty. Cow calf pairs from eight and a quarter to fifteen fifty.
5: So it sounds like y'all had a good sale. How many did you end up drawing? fourteen sixty four. What do you know for this Friday?
9: Well I've got about sixty cows coming this week, guys selling out. I've got about seventy five or eighty wean coming from one guy and about forty five from another. Good. And- Uh, So we got a little bit of stuff lined up, picked up about 40, 50 cans yesterday. We're off to a pretty good start.
5: That's for the Milam County sale this Friday there in Cameron. Kenny Mingus, tell everybody how to contact you.
9: You bet. Just catch us here at the office Monday through Wednesday from about 9.30 to 3.30 at 254-697-6697. Follow us on our webpage at com or catch us on Facebook.
5: We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again before the sale. Thank you so much. And thank you, my Texas farming and ranching neighbors, for listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Good
1: day to you. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs continue to climb sharply higher. May hogs up 242, closing at 108.07. June hogs up 202 Tuesday, finishing at 106.35. Class three milk was slightly higher. April up a penny, 1768. May milk up 13 cents, 19.29 a hundredweight. The cotton market closed slightly higher. Traders still waiting on some news to really move this market in one direction or the other. It looks like the next new news could come from Thursday morning's USDA Weekly Export Sales Report. Currently, 2020 21 sales running at 95% of USDA's new export target. We close with the May contract, up 51 points, 8,377. July cotton up 46 at 85.17. December cotton up 56 points, 8,306 cold temperatures make for higher wheat prices we've got a freeze warning from northern states all the way down here to the Texas Panhandle that of course could cause some damage in the wheat crop so we'll have to wait and see what effect it has but for now it's making for a higher wheat market July Kansas City wheat up nine and a quarter 628 a bushel July Chicago wheat up seven and a half 661 and a quarter. The corn market continues to jump higher as well on weather concerns. However, the main catalyst for the corn market is the weather in Brazil right now, where limited rainfall is expected into the first week of May. They're getting very close to pollination on that crop, and they fear that yields could take a big hit if they don't get rain soon. The nearby May corn contract up 14 and a half, 606 and a half, September up nine and three quarters, 547 and a quarter. December corn up eight and a quarter, 528 and a half. In the energy markets, May natural gas down 2 cents 272, May crude oil down 77 at 62.61 a barrel. The financial markets lower, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 256 points 33821 the Nasdaq down 128 at 13,786, the S&P 500 down 28 points $4,134. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin, and I'll see you then.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website,